Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ray Maliazzi here. I'd like to carry more parts, but I barely have room to think in my garage. Luckily, eBay Motors has all the right parts at the right prices. 122 million of them. Can't imagine stocking that many parts. Where would I get all those shelves? eBay Motors. Let's ride. And here we go again. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to today's podcast of The Miller Frost Show. I am your host, America's most beloved self-loathing homosexual, Miller Frost, here as always with my fake black friend, white boy, Malcolm X. Hope everyone is having a great weekend so far. Remember, before we get started on today's program, you can get hold of me a couple different ways. My email is miller at millerfrostonline.com, and my parlor handle is at millerfrost. We also, folks, we just started this a couple days ago. We have a Rumble account now, and what we're doing there is not videos. No one wants to see my ugly face, but what we're doing is posting some clips from the program. So I think we've got five or six clips from last Wednesday's podcast up there. If you want to go just tune in and listen to a, a, a clip or two from time to time, we will do that as well. And you can always get the, uh, the podcasts in total on a number of different platforms. White Boy Malcolm X, before I jump in, did you realize, and of course I know you did because we talked about this on Wednesday's podcast, today, folks, is our 50th recorded podcast. So we have made it to 50 recorded, I keep wanting to say taped, but it is recorded these days. I guess that shows my age if if I say tape, but yes, this is recorded, but our 50th episode, White Boy Malcolm X, who would have thunk way back in August when we started doing this that we would make it to 50 podcasts? Not you. <laughs> okay. We did it. We actually did it. And uh, here's to another 50 and beyond. And I think I said something about having a beer on the program because it was our 50th. It would be a special event. But uh, meh, I guess I will wait until after I don't have a beer in front of me. Too late now. So let's go ahead and jump into our news quick hits. We do have a lot of stories to cover. And White Boy Malcolm X, we had 13 stories on last Wednesday's podcast. I want to do like a, I don't know, 40, 45 minute podcast. And it's still. With just 13 total stories, I think we had seven news quick hits and six, only six uh, news stories. It still went over an hour. God. So we got to watch that this time. I talk too much. <laughs> I guess I do. I guess that is, uh, yeah, I'm not going to deny that. So let's go ahead and jump in, get this puppy underway. And this first story is from Zero Hedge. Scientist says plastic pollution is shrinking penises. <gasps> Uh oh, will make most men infertile by 2045. So, all you size queens out there, <laughs> life is about to get more depressing for you, but here are a couple pull quotes on that. In a new book called Countdown, Dr. Shauna Swan writes that humanity is facing an existential crisis due to phthalates, a chemical used in the plastic manufacturing process which disrupts the endocrine system. 
Human babies are being exposed to the chemical in the womb, causing a shorter anagenical distance, which correlates to penis size. And White Boy Malcolm X, this makes me think of 10-inch London. And if you folks are out there going, well, Miller, Miller, what is a 10-inch London? Well, folks, you really do need to listen to my podcast a little bit more. (laughs) I can't keep explaining these things, but 10-inch London is a young gentleman on uh, OnlyFans. And uh, I'm not going into that backstory, but uh, 10-inch London, White Boy Malcolm X, I was thinking that uh, I wonder if his mama ingested a lot of these plastics and denied him from being footlong London. (laughs) He could have really made huge bank. I think the guy's doing pretty good on OnlyFans anyway, because I know you size queens are out there, and you women with husbands with small penises are going to his site going, "Mm, if only I could have that, but White Boy Malcolm X, he could have been 12-inch or one-foot London if only his mother had stayed off of plastic. Ugh, I don't even know why this is in my news quick hits, but let's just get this over with. From the AP, Romney gets profile and courage award for impeachment vote. And here are a couple pull quotes. U.S. Senator Mitt Romney was named the recipient of the John F. Kennedy Profile and Courage Award on Friday for splitting with his party and becoming the only Republican to vote to convict former President Donald Trump during his first impeachment trial. Senator Romney's commitment to our Constitution makes him a worthy successor to the senators who inspired my father to write Profiles and Courage, Kennedy's daughter Caroline Kennedy said in a statement from the JFK Library Foundation. He reminds us that our democracy depends on the courage, conscience, and character of our elected officials. I wonder what that award is worth now with uh, Mitt Romney. Getting it. I tell you what, the only thing I can think of when I think of Mitt Romney is pretentious douchebag. <laughs> that man does not have a spine. He is a complete weather vane. He only, folks, he only wants to be loved by the media and the leftists who hate him no matter what he does. <laughs> if he does right by us, they hate him. If he does right by them, they momentarily kind of tolerate him. But uh, poor Mitt is never going to learn. I think that guy's, what, in his 60s, 70s now? He has never learned. He thinks when he dies, they are going to praise him just like John McCain. But what did John McCain get? Not much of anything. So bless your heart, Mitt. Bless your heart just for trying. I guess you get the A for effort. You get the JFK Profile in Courage Award for pretending to have any uh, sort of values there. You have fun, Mitt. Uh, Hang that up on your mantle. From Fox Business, speaking of... I don't know if pretentious douchebag, but just fraud in general. British University criticized over money for planned life-size Greta Thunberg statue. So white boy Malcolm X, they're building a statue of Greta Thunberg, that little shrill teenage environmentalist chick. And here are some pull quotes there. A British university is drawing fire for its plans to erect Speaking of 10-inch Johnson, erect a life-size statue of 18-year-old Swedish activist Greta Thunberg on its Hampshire campus, according to a report. So White Boy Malcolm X, she's 18 years old. She, folks, she can, well, I guess she can't fly, but she can take another yacht to New York and she can riot with all the other hysterical white chicks out there. They can have a grand gay old time in New York, rioting and looting and having all sorts of fun now that she is of age. The statue called Make a Difference... So, <laughs> I, uh, folks, that has got to be a ton of irony right there, is being completed by British artist Christine Charlesworth and was commissioned by the university in 2019, so when I guess she was 16, at a cost of more than 32 
$1,000, the Chronicle reported. And here is a quote from the artist Christine Charlesworth. The university wanted a sculpture of Greta because it is a very green university, and they feel that Greta will be an inspiration to all the students, Charlesworth said. So Greta Thunberg gets her own statue, $32,000, white boy Malcolm X, to uh, put up a statue of that dopey chick. I hope I live long enough for <laughs> someone in Great Britain to riot and see that statue and go, oh, that is a, uh, a white chick. Let's tear that statue down. <laughs> now, that would be funny. I would have to, I'd love to see that. But uh, two thoughts on this, folks. Number one, she has made, I don't know why they're calling the statue make a difference. She has made absolutely no difference to anyone at any time for anything. Maybe her parents probably going, God, I wish this chick would just shut her stupid mouth. <laughs> she is obnoxious. But no, other than that, Greta Thunberg has really made no impact on the environment whatsoever. All she does is go around, yap, 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 about green this and green that like uh, everyone else does. <laughs> Greta, you are... You are no different than uh, a thousand other environmentalists running around saying and spouting the exact same thing you are, honey. No difference whatsoever. The fact that you are a, you know, young white chick doing it <laughs> is doubly obnoxious. That's all we need is another one of you folks running around, yap, 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 yap. And second, folks, with her going around, yap, 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 right? Do we really need any more of that? <laughs> Do we need to reinforce this behavior? Do we need... That statue on a college campus where some other dopey young white chick is walking around. She's probably some gender studies chick. And she's looking at that statue going, hmm, I want to make a difference too. And she starts running around yapping. Do we not have, folks, do we not have enough know-it-all bratty teenagers on this planet without trying to reinforce this notion that you too can make a difference in the world? And so they're all going to go out there and act like uh, some sort of social justice warrior thinking they're going to get their own statue on a college campus when they're 18 or 20 years old. God. So you folks over at Hampshire campus, screw you for starting this, for starting down this path. And White Boy Malcolm X, I tell you what, her ego, which I'm sure is the size of that campus <laughs> where they're putting that statue on, I mean, that does not need any more reinforcing <laughs> at this point. What a mess. From the Washington Free Beacon, Biden taps Manchin's wife for key administration post after West Virginia Democrat saves imperiled DOD nominee. And here are a couple pull quotes there. President Joe Biden tapped Democratic Senator Joe Manchin's wife for a key administration post on Friday, two days after the West Virginia senator agreed to cast a last-minute swing vote in favor of Biden's beleaguered Pentagon policy nominee, Colin Kahn. Manchin's wife, Gail, was nominated as federal co-chair of the Appalachian Regional Commission on Friday, according to a statement from the White House. The $175 million Economic Development Partnership Agency focuses on investing in Appalachia's economic future by providing grants, publishing research, and sponsoring learning experiences, according to its website, and handing the senator's dear wife a $160,000 a year job. Oh, God. That must be nice work if you can get it. And that, folks, that is exactly how the ruling class takes care of each other. They hand their spouses really luxurious, high-paying six-figure jobs to keep them uh, cushy, get the family employed, <laughs> all sorts of fun for the D.C. ruling class. The swamp, they love to take care of themselves and each other. And I wonder, White Boy Malcolm X, about Chastin Buttigieg, that low-rent queen from Indiana. I wonder what sort of paid, cushy job that queen is going to wind up getting. <laughs> I mean, if uh, Joe Manchin's wife, if Gail can get herself a $160,000 job with the government, 
I wonder about Chaston, what he's going to get. Is he going to go work for the government? Is he going to go work for a nonprofit and still make huge bank over there? Or, or will he get himself a cushy board seat or two, maybe on the board of some massive construction company or two? He'll probably, all the companies doing bidding with the Department of Transportation, they're going to make sure that Chaston is sitting on their board. He can get major stipends from those folks who go before Mayor Pete or Secretary Pete, that pocket queen, go before him to get their contracts. Either way, I have no doubt that Chaston will get paid royally to help fund their glamorous lifestyle. Speaking of taking care of the ruling class, this is from the Albany Times Union. Top health officials told to prioritize COVID testing for Kumo's relatives. And here are a couple pull quotes from that. High-level members of the State Department of Health were directed last year by Governor Andrew M. Cuomo and Health Director Dr. Howard Zucker to conduct prioritized coronavirus testing on the governor's relatives as well as influential people with ties to the administration, according to three people with direct knowledge of the matter. Members of Cuomo's family include his brother, his mother, and at least one of his sisters were also tested by top health department officials some several times, the sources said. So don't worry, folks, when Granny was dying in the nursing home, the governor's brother, Fredo, was being prioritized as a top priority for the state of New York. (laughs) That drama queen at CNN. I mean, like they don't have enough of them over there if something, God forbid, had happened. But uh, yes, he was a priority over your grandmother in a nursing home. Bless Andy's heart. I mean, (laughs) that governor has gone from uh, hero to zero in, uh, in the drop of a hat. Speaking of losers in New York, though, this is from the Post-Millennial. New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio announces Racial Justice Commission. And what do I tell you folks when the word justice is used? Somebody's about to get screwed. And I won't read you too much of this, but here is a quote from Mayor de Blasio. Today I'm naming a Racial Justice Commission. We've never had a model for actually addressing structural racism, institutional racism, identifying it, acknowledging it, formally apologizing for it, weeding it out, eradicating it, making the policy changes, changing the laws. If new laws are needed, what do you bet folks they are? If our charter requires revision, what do you folks want to bet it does? This commission will have the power to send proposals to the ballot for the people to decide. Well, that's convenient. And this, folks, is a quote from the chair of the Racial Justice Commission, Jennifer Jones Austin. Never has an opportunity of this magnitude been before me, frankly before all of us. The only way to uproot racism in our city's government structures is by attacking it at the core through charter revision. I look forward to working with and leading the commission, engaging with and listening to New Yorkers, and in the coming months putting forward to you and to the city a report and recommendations that will do the most to end racism and advance truce and lasting justice and inclusion for all. Well, that is awfully nice of that woke clown, Bill de Blasio, to put this together. I mean, he's only been in office almost eight years, but he's finally getting around, folks. Not on his first year, but on his last. He has less than a year in office now. I think the election is this coming November. But he is, uh, he is making a change, <laughs> and he's handing this thing over to a, uh, another woke activist. They are going to fully gut that city, and the poor next mayor, whoever inherits that city from him after eight years of complete mismanagement— they are going to have to deal with this Racial Justice Commission, and they're going to have to deal with all the changes that are going to be made, right? They're going to stick this stuff on the ballot. Of course, it's going to pass. God knows what it's going to be, how crazy woke it's going to be. 
I mean, folks, they just got rid of qualified immunity for police officers in the, uh, in the city of New York. And what that does, folks, is shield the police from being held personally accountable in civil rights lawsuits against the cities. But that is going away. So they're going to be able to sue police officers. Now, every time they think that their civil rights have been violated, they're going to go after and bankrupt and ruin the police. And if you think the police are going to sit around and take that, if you think they're not going to resign en masse, you are a fool. So they continue to set New York up to fail. And it amazes me, and I've said this several times on this podcast, how quickly New York has imploded. It was a, it was a slow implosion under de Blasio, and now it is overnight. I remember New York under Giuliani and Bloomberg and what a wonderful place it was to visit. It was just the city was safe. The city was relatively clean for being New York, but it was a it was a great city at one time. And it has gone into uh, the crapper. I'll be polite. <laughs> I will be uh, non-profane there, but it has gone into the crapper almost overnight uh, under under de Blasio. I won't be going back anytime soon, but oh well. I can't wait for that crazy to come up here to uh, to Boston, White Boy Malcolm X. That is going to make life really interesting the next time I go into that city. This is from Pink News, and this is for all you virgin gay comic book fanboys out there. I know you're in your mother's basement, eyeing up your sex doll, doing something, and uh, this one is for you. Falcon and the Winter Soldier fans think Bucky Barnes just came out as <gasps> bisexual. And what do we say about bisexuals on this show, folks? They will do anyone, right? (laughs) Apparently, Bucky will as well. So let's find out more about Bucky being bisexual. In the first episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which we refuse to watch because they fired Gina Carano off of The Mandalorian, so we are not going to be watching Disney+, Bucky goes on a date with a waitress named Leah who asks him about his dating life in a world that takes place after the events of Avengers Endgame. She asks, have you dated much since half the fish in the sea came back? Bucky responds that he hasn't dated much, but he did dip his toes into the whole online dating thing. He said, it's pretty crazy, a lot of weird pictures. He then elaborated, I mean, tiger photos? Half the time, I don't even know what I'm looking at. It's a lot. And a few folks are out there going, well, Miller, Miller, what does this have to do with Bucky Barnes being a bisexual? We have to know, we have to know. What's going on here? Folks, seriously, I'm getting there. Calm down. How's this? Fans went wild over the Tiger comment because it could mean, folks, it could mean that Bucky is canonically queer. Whatever the hell that means. In my 51 years on this earth, I have never seen the phrase canonically queer. I have no idea what that is. And no, I am not going to Google that. You can do that on your own time. Tiger pictures used to be infamous on apps like Tinder before they were banned in 2017 and they were especially prevalent on men's profiles. So this could be Falcon and the Winter Soldier writers hinting that Bucky could be bisexual since he was viewing dating profiles for both men and women. Folks, you need to get a life. God, my God. Seriously, you folks need to get a freaking life. If you are sitting around watching Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Talk about B-rate uh, Marvel characters there. If you're sitting around watching these two <laughs> and you're pulling that out of your butt, you're pulling the fact that he looks at Tiger pictures on a dating app that he might be bisexual. You talk about stretching <laughs> the bounds of reality. Good God, folks. You get a life. That's all I have to say. <laughs> I tell you what, White Boy Muckamix, I cannot imagine 
being being someone who watches a TV show and, and that's a trigger word for them. Like, oh, oh, he said tiger pictures. He must be bisexual. I gotta get on Twitter and tell everyone about it. And type, 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 right? The, oh, Bucky Barnes might be a bisexual. He might want to do everyone because he looks at tiger pictures. He looked at tiger pictures. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Right? <laughs> like these raging, screaming fanboys. Ah! Get a life. That's all I have to say. <laughs> and one last thing. Wipeout Macamax, do you think, who is uh, Bucky Barnes? That's uh, Sebastian Stan. What do you think about him? Not bad. I, I will not disagree with you, sir. I will not disagree with you. He's aging quite well. Okay, now that our news quick hits are over, let's go ahead and jump into our news pile. And, uh, man, I wish I had not lined this one up first. <laughs> Speaking of raging out on Twitter, YouTuber Valkyrie, whoever that is, apologizes for saying, I wish I was gay on stream after comment sparks backlash. Hmm, let's find out more about that. Popular YouTube gamer Valkyrie has apologized for a comment she made about wishing she was gay. I don't know what's bad about that. I thank God every day that I'm gay. The comments were made live on stream on 20 March, where Valkyrie was reacting to videos on Reddit in response to a recent music video shoot. So Valkyrie, white boy, Malcolm X, I just want to make sure I have this straight, no pun intended, but uh, Valkyrie is a YouTube gamer. And she was live streaming. She was watching videos on Reddit in response to a recent music video. Do I have that? Okay, so she's just on there just making color commentary. <laughs> kind of like here on the Miller Frost Show, but there's no camera here. But she was on uh, on camera making comments about Reddit videos. Okay, well, I guess, uh, hey, if you can get paid for that, good for her. I am shocked that I'm straight, she said on the stream. I can't believe it now with how much I love women. I should be at least bisexual, but I'm not. That sucks for me. And Valkyrie, can I just say something, dear? That is just, to me, that's just lazy. <laughs> it's just lazy that you're not even bisexual, right? I mean, being bisexual is not that difficult a task. It is not a high bar to reach. What is being a bisexual? It means you will do anyone, right? That is not, that is about as lazy as it gets to be able to, you don't even have to pick and choose. You'll be like, okay, sure, yes, 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 yes. You don't even go like, no, I'm not into that. No, I'm not into that. Bisexual means you will do anyone, right? That is just completely lazy of you to say that you should be bisexual, but you're not. You can just do it, honey. Nobody really cares. Just come out. In fact, I think it will help your ratings if you come out and say that, right? Because that just shows how special you are, right, dear? Because everyone these days has to be special, so you might as well just get on that train. Posting on Twitter after the stream, Valkyrie apologized for her comments. As I was reading the VOD comments, some mentioned while they understand I didn't mean any harm, it comes off as <gasps> invalidating LGBTQ plus struggles as being straight is a privilege, she said. White boy Malcolm X, straight? I don't look at straight being a privilege. I look at that as anything but, but hey, that uh, floats your boat okay out there. I understand and you're absolutely right. I'll do better. Her comments initially received a mixed reaction from fans. So I guess the Twitter rage monkeys out there were slightly butthurt but her Twitter apology was widely appreciated with many thanking her for addressing their concerns. And here are a couple of those folks just to entertain you. As someone who's bi, I personally didn't find your comments hurtful, but I completely understand why people in the community may feel invalidated. Thank you for educating yourself and addressing the community. It shows how much you care, said one follower. Personally, I felt in the context of what you were talking about, I didn't feel invalidated, though I know others did. So thank you for addressing and being so understanding, Ray read another. 
And a few folks are like, well, Miller, I still don't understand who this chick Valkyrie is. Here you go. Valkyrie has only grown in popularity since signing exclusively to YouTube a year ago with 3.21 million subscribers on the video platform. Her Twitter following is 2.1 million. Her videos consist mainly of playing a variety of games with other streamers like Dr. Lupo, Saikuno, and Disgusted Toast, most notably Among Us, whoever all these people are. Valkyrie is a streamer for 100 Thieves, the gaming and esports brand. So I guess this chick just sits on her her butt all day playing video games and live streaming her video games. So I guess you can watch her and she gets paid. I think these folks, White by Mechamex, I believe they make huge bank doing this where they just sit and play video games and do color commentary playing a video game and they get paid like six, seven figures for doing that. So good for you, Valkyrie. <laughs> if someone will pay you to do that, and I still wipe my Malcolm X. I still think it is just lazy of her not to come out as at least bisexual. What kind of weirdo is a heterosexual? We know, folks, from our Wednesday podcast that if you are straight or super straight anyway, that you are aligned with the alt-right and Nazis. So she better come out as all sorts of things, but uh, she better not stay straight. I feel invalidated. <laughs> they love those code words, don't they? I'll tell you what, folks. Invalidated. I feel erased. They love any of those words. And if you hear that, you know someone's about to get screwed. From Campus Reform, maybe conservatism is a euphemism for <gasps> white supremacy, Syracuse professor states during white rage panel. And folks, I'm sorry, I hate to admit this, but I kind of want to sound like uh, Elmer Fudd and say white wage, <laughs> a white wage panel over at the university. But I digress. During a Louisiana State University event, so folks, we are going to Louisiana State for this sort of nutty Discussing the religion of white rage, one professor stated that conservatism is a euphemism for white supremacy. Religion is a source of connection and community for many Americans. However, it is also the primary motivating factor for the rise of white rage and white supremacist sentiment in the United States. The Capitol insurrection is the latest example of this, said panelist and Louisiana State Professor Stephen Finley in the statement. In this episode, we will hone in on this relationship between white apprehension, race, and religion, and their subsequent effects on communities of color and the struggle for equality. Biko Gray, a religion professor at Syracuse University, and Lori Martin, a sociology professor at Louisiana State, joined Finley on the panel. The event was inspired by a book entitled The Religion of White Rage, Religious Fervor, White Workers, and the Myth of Black Racial Progress, which the three academics co-edited. The work argues that white religious fervor correlates to notions of perceived white loss and perceived black progress. Likewise, the book posits that it is not economics but religion and race that stand as the primary motivating factors for the rise of white rage and white supremacist sentiment in the United States. Jesus is the reason, apparently. <laughs> okay, then. During the live seminar, Gray stated that maybe conservatism, away from being a financial and economic and political policy, is just a euphemism for white supremacy and its affected variant, white rage. He went on to discuss Martin's chapter, which he describes as a brilliant analysis of how anger functions and fluctuates figuratively in and through the bodies of white women. <gasps> Uh-oh, white boy Malcolm X, they're going after white women again. <laughs> And all you white women, all you leftist white women out there who keep throwing the white people under the bus, you come out with all these different articles, trashing whitey, and you think that's going to buy you out of something? No. <laughs> you are wrong. You are wrong, wrong, wrong. They're going to get you as well. The professor also discussed his own chapter, which he claims is about what we now call Karens, 
white women who called the cops on black men in an attempt to pretty much get them killed. So you Karens out there, <laughs> they are coming to get you too. White boy Malcolm X, that, that I did not know that Karen, COVID Karen or whoever Karen, whatever kind of Karen you want, Karen is only calling Popo to watch a black man get killed. Damn, you Karens out there. Man, I gotta watch my back with you. While on the topic of gender and white rage, Finley asserted his opinions by stating that it is not only a male phenomenon and that some of the women are actually smarter in the sense that they are very much in leadership, but it's in really subtle ways behind the scenes even though they are calling the shot. In closing, Gray called out Louisiana State Representative Ray Garofalo in campus reform, saying that here we are, three black scholars, and no matter how much tenure we get, how much money we get paid, and I'm assuming, folks, that that is what you call a humble brag, we will always be in a situation of precocity when it comes to discourses, when it comes to this particular country. White boy Malcolm X, there is so much to digest here. <laughs> so much to dissect here. I don't even know where to begin. White rage. I got to add that to the list. We got white power. We got white supremacy. We got white privilege. We got white fragility. <laughs> now we got white rage, folks. We got a lot of white rage. But I'll tell you what, though. I hate to say it. I hate to disagree with these fine folks who are, ugh, it's so hard being them, but they are apparently making huge bank off that, uh, not only their tenured professorships, but their book sales. They're doing quite well there, but I guess I guess that white rage is, a, white wage is going to come up and get them at some point. It's odd though, white boy Malcolm X. You know, I'm not hearing a lot of white rage and not that I go to church. I am what they call a lapsed Catholic, but uh, Mama Frost goes to church all the time. She loves going to church. She loves getting those goody God points, and she's off to church at least once a week, sometimes two and three times a week. But uh, yeah, I don't get any rage at her. <laughs> when I go home for Christmas Mass, I'm sitting there at the church. I'm like, crap, how did I get roped into this thing? You know, I don't hear a lot of rage from the pulpit there. Our priest does not spew out a lot of white rage, if any. I do hear a lot of rage, though, folks. I do hear a lot of BIPOC rage. I can say that uh, without a doubt, there is a lot, ton, huge amounts of rage out on the left. And uh, not just leftist white folks trashing other white folks, but all sorts of capital B black people. And uh, if you're a SUNY white liberal out there, I will use the correct term, Latinx people out there trashing whitey. Everyone is trashing whitey all of a sudden. That has just come of age, I would say, in the last year. You are not down for the struggle unless you are bashing Whitey all the time. So if these three clowns, which is basically what they are, and I know they are a little butthurt there that we do not recognize them enough for their tenured professorships and all their good book sales. I'm sorry. I hope I let me give you a little hug in a safe space if that makes you feel better. But these three clowns want to complain about rage. White rage is not where it's at, you three idiots. I would go look in a mirror. You know, you don't get done trashing Whitey and then complain Whitey's the one with all the rage. White boy Malcolm X, I tell you what, I have never seen so many people completely screwed in the head mentally with projection. All their anger, all their rage, they project it onto others. White rage. All the white people with rage. Ah, all the white people with rage. Okay, okay, if you say so. We don't have rage, Professor. We're just laughing at you. You are a woke clown. So let's move on from white 
rage. Let's go ahead and move on from that. Good God. This next one is from UPI. And I'll tell you what, folks, UPI is the, uh, the go-to source on potential rapey animals across the globe. If you don't know what I'm talking about there, listen to the podcast. You will figure it out soon enough. But how's this headline? Police warn of aggressive rhea birds on the loose in England. And folks, I don't know if this rises to the level of a public service announcement. We just do not know enough about rhea birds. Rhea birds, rhea birds, I don't know how you pronounce it. So I'm sure someone's getting buttered out there going, it's pronounced this way, bleh. But uh, yeah, I don't know if it rises to that level because we do have documented evidence about rapey kangaroos, right? We do know that kangaroos, if they get a scent of that Sarah Jessica Parker perfume, they will sexually assault you or try to, right? We do know about that. We do know about potentially rapey gay rams in Ontario, Canada. And folks, those rapey kangaroos were in Australia and Alabama. We had to do public safety announcements for both of those. But this, I'm, I am hesitant to call the Rhea birds potentially rapey. I think that's just kind of, I don't know. I don't know enough about them to, uh, to know one way or the other. There are multiple ones out there. So if we have a follow-up story from UPI where someone is potentially assaulted by one of these birds, then we will definitely come on this program and make a public service announcement. For right now, this is, I would say, this is a public service warning. This is what we're going to call it, a warning for you folks out in England. There is the potential here, but let's go ahead and dig in a little bit more before we go there. Police in Britain are warning residents of a town to beware of multiple rhea birds spotted running loose in the area. The Hertfordshire Constabulary said the rheas, smaller cousins of the ostrich, have been seen running wild in residential areas and along the busy M25 road in Three Rivers, England. Police warned residents to steer clear of the birds if they are spotted in public. Damn straight, you better. Unfortunately, we have received reports of them attacking dogs and deer. So people, at least for now, folks, people are safe, but dogs and deer, yeah, not so much. So we ask that dog owners are vigilant when out walking. Police Constable Christian Gottman of the Rixmanworth and District Safer Neighborhood team said. And I wonder, White Boy Malcolm X, this reminds me of our story on Wednesday's podcast about Orlando Bloom telling the story about his poodle, Mighty. And yes, folks, apparently straight men can own a poodle. <laughs> Don't ask. <laughs> Who knew? But Orlando theorized, right, the dog went out, the dog never came back, so Orlando theorized that a coyote got Mighty the dog, right? And so he got this tattoo of Mighty on the chest. I theorized because unless they found the dog's corpse, I just assumed a queen came along and was like, oh, that is a lovely little poodle. I'm just going to go ahead and take that thing home because I don't see any owner out here. That poodle is mine. Oh, fabulous. My, my girlfriend's going to be so jealous of me. I got this nice poodle, right? Took Mighty home. And like I told, uh, like I told Orlando, that poodle is probably extremely well taken care of, right? I like to think the more positive, no coyote, queen, right? The queen took the poodle, not the, not the coyote there, but who knows? Maybe there are rayas running around in the LA area and the rhea took the poodle. <laughs> that would be even worse than the coyote because God knows what that stupid bird would have done with that dog. Police said they have been unable to identify the owner of the birds or determine their origins. These birds are certainly an unusual sight on the streets of Three Rivers, and we want to reassure the public that we are working in partnership, Three Rivers District Council, Highways, and our Rural Operational Support Team to come up with a plan to capture and rehome the birds to a suitable animal reserve, Gottman said. So I guess the only thing I can say, folks, if you are going to, uh, if you are out there in England, if you are out there in the Three Rivers area, I would lock up your Sarah Jessica Parker perfume, right? We know how to do that. Take it, put it in the freezer, wrap it in a couple Ziploc bags, and hide it away from these things. You never know, right? 
We want to do that. We want to lock up the teenage boys. They're probably in your basement doing God knows what, <laughs> playing video games, defiling themselves, all sorts of fun. But uh, yeah, you want to lock them up. And we also want to lock up uh, lock up your poodles. We want to make sure that uh, your poodles, deer, who cares? Whatever. But uh, yeah, lock up your dogs in that case as well. Good God, Wipeout Malcolm X. All these crazy animals out on the loose. Will the insanity never end? So folks, when I was putting today's podcast together and I... I was praying high above. I was like, oh, sweet baby Jesus, please, please, please. Can I have for my 50th podcast, can I please have, just like you did a couple weeks ago, you gave me two really good uh, teacher-based stories and uh, and two smoking guns, not one, but two smoking gun stories out of Florida. And so I did pray, folks. I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And guess what? I did get my two teacher-based stories. <laughs> and I even got my two smoking gun stories. But the Lord was like, you know what? Uh, yeah, not going to give you everything you're asking for, son. So... He gave me two teacher-based stories and two smoking gun stories, which we have, but they are not in Florida. So he did partially smite me there. But uh, let's go ahead and jump into our first teacher-based story because we love a really good teacher-based story. And this one is from the UK Mirror. Female teacher who had sex with pupil 16 sobs as she spared jail. So yet again, folks, we reinforce the bad behavior. We let a teacher who has raped a student out of jail. So let's find out a little bit more about this pervert. A female teacher who had sex with a 16-year-old pupil sobbed as she was spared jail today as a judge credited her previous good character. (laughs) Well, you're only raping students now, but you were such a good person before you raped the student. That's so good of you. So you don't have to go to jail for this one. A court heard Shannon Parsons, 33, groomed the schoolboy, then had sex with him at his parents' home while his parents were at work. So adding insult to injury to the parents, not only did they find out that this sick teacher, this 30-something-year-old teacher, groomed their teenage boy, but she banged him in their house, (laughs) probably in their bed. The kid was probably embarrassed to take her up to his room where he still had a racing, (laughs) racing car for a bed, so he took her into the parents' room and did her there, I bet. The pair had been exchanging flirty and sexual messages as well as intimate photographs of each other for several months. But the mom waited. So yes, folks, she is herself a mother. The mom waited until he was of legal age before having intercourse with him. Ah, and I probably should not be reading that here because I know a lot of you high school teachers out there, you don't need any more ideas. (laughs) Be like, hmm. Well, that boy's 16. If I just count down till he's 18, man, I could tap that and it'd be perfectly legal. That would be... But I don't know if I can wait. And I know most of you can't. You do it anyway. Parsons of Welling, Southeast London, told police she never thought of the teenager as a child, did not love him, and it was purely sexual. (laughs) Ugh, gross. (laughs) Who looks at a 15, 16-year-old boy and goes... Well, I know a bunch of you do, right? I know a bunch of you high school teachers do that. You do that all the time. But uh, that is your idea of sexuality. That is your idea of uh, having a good time. (laughs) What do I always say, folks? Never get a boy to do a man's job. But man, I guess some of you are never going to listen. But she added she knew what she had done was wrong and should have ended it. Maidstone Crown Court, Kent was told. And just to give you folks, uh, yeah, she gets off. (laughs) Story done, but I will give you a little flavor of what was going on in the boy's mind. Here's a bit of the article quoting him. The teen told police he always felt a bit weird about their conversations and would therefore cut them short. 
He added that he would also make excuses about being busy because although at times he was up for it, the fact of who she was put him off. But the court-heard intercourse took place one afternoon at his home while his parents were at work. Miss Walter said they had started kissing and then had sex. He was 16. He had said that after they had had sex, he felt awkward. He didn't talk to her and ignored her on Instagram. <laughs> man, typical man. Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. She tried to talk to him on exam results day, but he said he couldn't be bothered. He also said he told a couple of mates what had happened, which was how it got spread around. So he kissed and told. He tattled on her. He said it affected him quite badly because everybody was talking about it. Aww. Oh, poor baby. Well, if you had just kept your mouth shut, no one would be talking about it. <laughs> Typical teenage boy, you know. Huh? Well, I just told a couple of my buddies, and now they're teasing me, and now it hurts my feelings, and I'm upset, and I'm traumatized. <laughs> Idiot. Parsons was arrested, immediately confessed, and resigned from her job. <laughs> oh, my God. So uh, he... Uh, he got it once, ignored her. She was trying, hey, you want to talk again? Hey, you want to talk again? Because that was her idea of a good time, right? He was like, ah, whatever, telling his friends. And now he's butthurt about it because he's getting teased about it. But yeah, that is a hot mess all around. And uh, none of that would have happened if she had just listened to my advice. And I'll say it again, even though I know it falls on deaf ears. Ladies, gentlemen, never get a boy. Yes, I'm talking to you queens out there. Never get a boy to do a man's job. This is from the post-millennial, and here is a note on this headline. Speaking about getting paid for screaming about how Whitey sucks, Ibram X. Kendi, who, folks, he is our favorite social justice woke warrior here on the Miller Frost Show, Ibram X. Kendi and Boston Globe's editorial team to create anti-racist news outlet. How to be an anti-racist author, Ibram X. Kendi is collaborating with the Boston Globe's editorial team to create an anti-racist news outlet. And you folks out there already thought that the Boston Globe was an anti-racist news outlet. No, you were wrong. <laughs> what they were doing, man, they're just getting started. Kendi, who founded the Center for Anti-Racist Research at Boston University in June. Man, God. How many shticks does this guy have? And the Globe's new editorial page editor, Bina Venkataraman met via, sorry, Bina, I do not know how to pronounce your last name, met via email during last summer's racial protests. On Tuesday, the two announced plans to reimagine historic anti-slavery journals for the modern digital audience. Inspired by pre-Civil War abolitionist newspapers, the duo is set to launch The Emancipator in the spirit of social reformer William Lloyd Garrison's legendary The Liberator. Kendi and Venkataraman's The Emancipator is the resurrection of the American Anti-Slavery Society's leading newspaper that ran for 18 years, which historians believe was the country's first publication dedicated to abolition. Expected to start this summer, The Emancipator will become an online platform and microsite of bostonglobe.com, accessible for free, unlike the newspaper's main webpage, which requires paid subscription. Backed by both of the big Boston institutions and the pair's generous seven-figure budget. Hmm. Man, I tell you what. Ibram, I'd like to know exactly how much money that man is making. <laughs> off his book sales, off his Center for Anti-Racist Research, and now off his generous seven-figure budget. <laughs> man just wants to get paid. The joint venture is also seeking philanthropic funding, so... If Ibram isn't getting enough money from his generous seven-figure budget, 
they're going to rein in even more money from foundations and individuals. The self-described mission is to reframe today's national conversation on racial justice. And folks, as I've said many times before, how many conversations do we need about race? I guess we need more and we need them reframed. Invoking the past, The Emancipator will also feature abolition-era editorials, annotated by academics for relevance to contemporary public discourse. As phrased by the New York Times, the initiative intends to revive the traditional generation of media that predates the formal division of news and opinion in 20th century American journalism, thus blending reportage with editorial. And folks at the New York Times, I know you know this for a fact, but there is no more formal division of news and opinion. It has not been around for about 20 years, and it definitely has not been around in the last four years since Donald Trump took office. Good God, who are they even thinking that they are kidding? Amid the national scramble for editorial hires, the project will employ two editors-in-chief to lead the newsroom. Now that has got to be, folks, that has got to be a thankless job babysitting a woke newsroom these days. One with more academic bent and one with more journalistic inclination. The position based at Boston University is listed as grade 52 salary, which sets the leadership role's maximum wage at, get this folks, $228,000, according to the university's human resources compensation policy. <laughs> I wonder how much Ibram's going to be pulling in from this. I tell you what, uh, he came to do good, but he is doing very, very, very well indeed. <laughs> Going around complaining about systemic racism and white power and white privilege, and what do we have now? White rage? <laughs> that is a new line for these folks. Running around complaining about how Whitey is keeping them down nonstop. I bet you, folks, I bet you that he is a multimillionaire at this point. He is raking in huge bank. And I guess his only thing would be like uh, Colin Kaepernick. Well, I could have made more if Whitey hadn't been so mean to me. <laughs> okay, Ibram, enjoy your dough. I hope that makes you happy. Not as happy as calling uh, Whitey <laughs> a racist, but I'm sure it'll make you happy anyway. Okay, folks, as promised, we have two smoking gun stories. And here's the first. Cops. Botched order prompted Big Mac attack. Anger that the mother of his son, and folks, I believe that is also called the baby mama, got him a quarter pounder instead of a Big Mac from McDonald's, a Minnesota man allegedly argued with the woman before throwing her to the ground and then swiping money from the victim's purse police charge. So apparently he beat her over a Big Mac. Responding to a flurry of 911 calls about a disturbance Sunday night at a residence in Mankato, a cop was told by the victim that she was assaulted by Muhammad Abu Bakr, a Minneapolis resident with a lengthy rap sheet. According to a criminal complaint, the 39-year-old Abu Bakr was visiting for the last few days with the victim. The woman told police that Abu Bakr was upset because she got him a quarter pounder instead of a Big Mac from McDonald's. An argument ensued, and Abu Bakr allegedly threw her to the ground against the dresser. The woman said that her son was in the room and was screaming while this occurred. The victim said that after Abu Bakr went into the kitchen and removed money from her purse, she confronted him and sprayed him with a can of mace, which actually was hornet's prick. <laughs> Abu Bakr fled the home, but was subsequently apprehended and charged with a pair of misdemeanor domestic assault counts. So he only got two misdemeanors. And this is in Minnesota, not Florida, so I guess they are pretty lax up there as well. Abu Bakr's rap sheet includes convictions for aggravated robbery, 
receiving stolen property, domestic assault, disorderly conduct, driving with a suspended license, marijuana possession, and, on top of all that, providing a false name to law enforcement. So let this be a lesson to you women out there. If you are out there on the prowl looking for a baby daddy, (laughs) some man out there, that is not what you want to pick. It reminds me of a story. I had a friend of mine, a dear friend of mine, we're still friends to this day, in San Diego. I've known him uh, probably about, I don't know, 18, 19 years at this point. But yeah, he was uh, dating this uh, woman at the time, and she was a party girl, right? She would go out with us, and she'd have fun. And he asked me what I thought about her, and I was like, well... (laughs) How do I put this? You know, there's sometimes you want to hang out with the party girl, right? And then there are times where you want to go look for someone to be the mother of your children, right? She is the party girl. She is not the one to be the mother of your children. And what do you think he did? He ignored my advice. (laughs) Okay, so he married her, had a baby with her, and guess what? She was still a party girl, right? And she continued to go out and party. He wanted to settle down. He got a daughter now, and he wanted to settle down with his wife, but she wanted to party all the time, as they like to say. And she was out there, so he wound up having to get a divorce. (laughs) And then she went and God knows what she did. But yeah, he took full custody of the daughter and he raised her as his own without party mama around. But this is a lesson for you ladies out there as well. If you are out there looking at men, you're looking at a guy and you're like, man, that is one hot stud. I can't wait to get in bed with that. You got to look at that and go, hmm, do I want that as the, uh, the date of the night, the flavor of the month? Or do I want that as the father of my children? If he's just the flavor of the month, then I would make sure that whatever he is doing, he has three condoms on. Because <laughs> the last thing you want to do is have a baby with a dope like Muhammad here. Good God. <laughs> Beats her over a freaking McDonald's hamburger and steals money out of her purse, adding insult to injury there. Tell you what, folks, you've got to be careful out there. You do not want to have a child and be tied to some loser for uh, 18 plus years. This is from LGBTQ Nation. New shampoo ad tells the heartwarming story of trans girl raised by lesbian moms. Hmm, let's find out more about what's going on with this and shampoo. A new ad for Pantene Shampoo shows two lesbian moms, Ashley and Ellie. And folks, if you saw Ashley and Ellie, you would know they were lesbians just by their haircuts, raising a transgender girl, Sawyer. In the ad, the girl and her moms explain that hair is an important part of how Sawyer is seen by the world. She has always been super gender creative. (laughs) Who isn't super gender creative these days? Good God. Everyone is super gender creative. I have to have my special gender, and I have to have my special pronouns, and I have to have my special sexual orientation. I have to be super special on everything. I'm just special. (laughs) and hair has been a big part of her transition, said Ashley in the ad. Once she told us that she identified as a girl, she immediately wanted to grow her hair out. Hmm, she doesn't want to have short hair like her lesbian moms. It made me feel good and confident, and it made my insides match my outside, said Sawyer. And if you folks think that this is Pantene's first time at the rodeo, you are wrong. Pantene has worked with LGBTQ people and themes and ads before, In 2018, a Pantene ad in the Philippines told the story of Kevin Ballot, a transgender woman. And yes, folks, I do realize that this is just a commercial, just a bunch of actors, although I do hope, folks, because we do have tribalism here, I do hope that these are actual lesbians and this is an actual transgender girl. I hope they didn't find actors to play lesbians. 
Although with those haircuts, I, I don't see how that's possible. And uh, to play a transgender, and I know you would never do that. They would never, ever, ever do that because they would get in so much trouble because the transgender community would get doubly super butthurt if they had a non-transgender character playing a transgender who wants to get her stupid hair all nice and shiny and long using Pantene. But I'm, folks, I'm just trying to trying to picture this in real life. Just as a random aside, I'm trying to picture two lesbians and they get this little boy because that's just what lesbians do. I've noticed a lot of times when lesbians adopt or have kids, they always want a boy. And queens, though, not to pick on lesbians, right, but queens like little girls. Right? <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I've seen a lot of that lately where you have gay men with a daughter and lesbians with a son. But this time they were like, oh, we got a son. This is so great. We can raise him and we can emasculate him. <laughs> All sorts of fun stuff they can do with a boy. But now the boy comes and goes, Mommy, Mommy, I think I'm a woman too. <laughs> I'm a little girl. And you know, folks, in real life, can you see those lesbians and be like, Oh, crap. What the hell? What the? Blank, 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 right? <laughs> see a bunch of lesbians throwing out the four-letter words nonstop for about an hour. We got a transgender in the house. Crap. Because, folks, if you have a transgender child, you are basically you are held hostage to whatever whim they have, right? Because if you don't say yes to whatever they want, you are a transphobe, right? And a bigot and these two lesbians living in the house, they're going to be called turfs too because that little girl, well, mommy, I want to do this. Well, no, no, honey, I don't think you can do that to you. Oh, you're only telling me that because you're a transphobe and a turf. Mommy is a turf and mommy too is a turf. Turf, 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 turf. And just like runs off to a room, slams the door. <laughs> two lesbians like, what the hell? You think we could kill it and no one would notice? <laughs> Man, I tell you what, that is a dumpster fire of a commercial, and that would be a double dumpster fire in real life. And White Boy Malcolm X, I tell you what, at some point they are going to run out of different combinations of politically correct folks out there. So Pantene might be able to do, I can see maybe two queens and a transgender boy. <laughs> queens back. What the hell did we get ourselves into there? Get rid of it. You are not not you're not in this house. From the Washington Examiner, the mayor of Charlottesville despises her own city. The mayor of Charlottesville, Virginia, really, really hates Charlottesville, Virginia. Good luck trying to figure that one out. Mayor Nikuya Walker turned heads Wednesday after she posted a brief poem to social media condemning her own city as a hotbed of racism and bigotry. Charlottesville, the beautiful, ugly it is, she writes. It rapes you, comforts you in its soiled sheet, and tells you to keep its secrets. Good Lord, if you're having a rough day at the office, go to a local bar and blow off some steam like everyone else. There's no need to go on a public, wide-eyed rant about the place that employs you, comparing it to a rapist. There's certainly no good reason to do it on social media. Yeah, there is. <laughs> I respectfully disagree with you folks over at the Washington Examiner, but yes, there is absolutely a perfectly good reason to do it there because she will not get in trouble for calling anyone any name on, uh, on Twitter. She will uh, probably get a double blue check mark. Amazingly, this is not all. Walker, who became Charlottesville's first black mayor in 2017, posted a lengthier, more fleshed-out version of her poem later Wednesday afternoon, committing fully to the rapist imagery. And do you folks want to hear this poem? White Boy Malcolm X, do you want to hear this poem? Of course you do. I know you did. So here, folks, here is the poem from the Charlottesville mayor, Nikuya Walker. Charlottesville, the beautiful ugly it is. 
It lynched you, hung the noose at City Hall, and pressed the souvenir that was once your finger against its lips. It covers your death with its good intentions. It is a place where white women with black kids collect signatures for a white man who questions whether a black woman understands white supremacy. It is destructively world-class. White people say it is a place where gentrification started with the election of a black woman in 2017, and because of white power, a lie becomes facts. Its daily practice is that of separating you from your soul. Charlottesville is void of a moral compass. It's as if good old TJ, and I'm assuming folks that TJ is Thomas Jefferson, is still cleverly using his whip to whip the current inhabitants into submissiveness. Charlottesville rapes you of your breasts. It suffocates your hopes and dreams. It liberates you by conveniently redefining liberation. It progressively chants while it conservatively acts. Charlottesville is anchored in white supremacy and rooted in racism. Charlottesville rapes you and covers you in sullied sheets. Well, <laughs> don't know what to say about that. That is a lovely poem, Nakuya uh, there. <laughs> Miss Mayor Walker there, goodness. And yes, folks, she has been mayor of that city for four years. And the place still sucks. <laughs> kind of like Mayor de Blasio, that woke clown up in New York. This, this woke clown here, she has been mayor for four years and the place is a racist dump of a cesspool of a town. <laughs> So bless her heart for uh, for uh, having to run that city. I'm sure it is a burden on her soul <laughs> to have to deal with such racism and such horribleness under her watch. I tell you what, though, folks, I think I think she is calling out white liberals, and I think she is calling them frauds. Right? White people say that it is a place where gentrification started with the election of a black woman, and because of white power, a lie becomes facts. It progressively chants while it conservatively acts. She's basically calling you white liberals a bunch of frauds and racists, right? You folks, you thought because you're a good white liberal and you love to trash other white people, you're out there proudly going around the BIPOC folk going, man, I, I can't believe those other white folks. They're just horrible racists and bigots. They're just, they suck. I just, I, I'm so embarrassed to be white these days. I wish I was a different color because I just, I look at white people and I just cringe. I look in the mirror and I, I yell, I hate you, you racist pig. I'm, and they try to be woke and they try to be down for the struggle. They try to be good white folks, right? Showing how, how horrible they are. But yet, Nakuya there, right? And she is, folks, she is in power only because of white liberal guilt, right? That city, I think, is 60 or 70% white, horrible white people all around there, but they voted to put her into office four years ago. They voted to put her in power, and what does she do? She spits in their face, right? You a bunch of racist pigs. That's what she does to repay all those good white liberals. So folks, if you think you can get out of it by throwing the rest of us under the bus, you are wrong. <laughs> you are wrong. And one of these days, you will learn that lesson the hard way. Like those folks up in New York, because now that the police do not have that uh, immunity and they all quit, <laughs> you think crime is up in New York now? Man, you just wait for it. <laughs> Cry havoc and let slip the dogs of war. We are down to two stories, White Boy Malcolm X. We are down, yes, yes, we are down to two stories. And uh, folks, I have saved the two best for last, Teacher Bait and Smoking Gun. <laughs> so let's go ahead and jump into these. This is from People Magazine. Teacher pleads guilty to having sex with student after arguing she had, get this folks, constitutional right to do so. 
This teacher, folks, this teacher thinks that it is written into the Constitution that she can bang a student. She can go, nom, 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 nom. that looks like delicious teacher bait. And that is my constitutional right to take that teenage boy to bed. <laughs> so let's find out more about this hot mess. A former Alabama teacher who was accused of having sex with, man, she went big, two high school students has pleaded guilty to a felony. A felony, folks. In Alabama, just like Texas, if you bang your students, you are going to jail, not like Florida. Carrie Witt, 47. She is 47, white boy Malcolm X. She is almost old enough to be grandma, especially in Alabama, (laughs) pleaded guilty on Monday to one count of a school employee engaging in a sex act with a student under the age of 19. Witt was a teacher at Decatur High School in Decatur, Alabama. She was arrested in March 2016 and charged with having sex with two students aged 17 and 18. Man, this has taken a while to get, uh, to get through the court system. After her arrest, Witt's attorneys argued that she had a constitutional right to have sex with the students. Under Alabama law, and uh, I probably shouldn't be saying this out loud, but... Okay, let's just say it. Anyone over 16 without a specified infirmary is capable of consenting to sex. And right now, there are a million teachers (laughs) right now packing up and moving to the state of Alabama. Yes, it is a felony, but they don't care. They are willing to risk a felony to tap into that delicious teacher bait. (laughs) That could be a uh, a quiz question on on Jeopardy. What is the one place in the U.S. that will never, ever, ever run out of teachers? (laughs) The answer is, I guess you can't say Alex anymore, but the answer is Alabama. You are correct for $1,000. Her attorneys argued in court filings that state statutes which prohibit a school employee from having sex with a student are unconstitutional. They argue that there are other laws to protect people who are incapable of consent because of age, mental impairment, physical incapacity, and in cases of coercion or fraud, but none of those stipulations applied in this case. But prosecutors disagreed, arguing that the statute was constitutional and was necessary to protect high school students. If you can say that again, you cannot put enough laws in place because they are all necessary to protect high school students from sexual advances by teachers and other school employees. Which seems odd to me because I did not think, I would assume, folks, that the teachers would be out there first. They got the first in line. They're right there in the classroom, right in front of them. You think that teachers are going to allow anyone, like the someone on the custodial staff, to tap that teacher bait? Uh-uh. That's why it's called teacher bait. It's for the teachers. <laughs> that They call dibs, folks. So if you are on the school staff, if you're the staff counselor there, if you're the principal, if you're the secretary at the front office, if you're, like I said, on the custodial staff, you're, I don't know, anyone but a teacher, no, you are second in line. You get the reject teacher bait, right? The, the students that no teacher will bang, which, folks, let's face it, with all the news articles I have, there is not a teacher a student wouldn't bang. But just in case, you never know. Ugh, that kid is ugly. He's fat. He's got too many pimples. Ugh, I don't want another touch that, that thing. Ugh, go away. Go sleep with the janitor. <laughs> that would be for the janitor, right? So, yes, the teachers are getting there first. They get first dibs. According to court documents accessed by people, a judge refused to dismiss the case, and Witt was scheduled to stand trial on Monday. Hours before trial, she pleaded guilty and admitted to the crime. She will be sentenced on July 1st. She faces, folks, up to 20 years in prison and must register as a sex offender. So you teachers out there, when you're packing up and moving to Alabama thinking that, mm, 16, I can get that thing, 20 years in jail. That is what you will risk. 
Not that you care. All you care about is that fresh teacher bait. I tell you what, White Boy Malcolm X, you know what we should do on our next compilation episode, if I can't make a show, we should do just like all teacher bait. <laughs> That'd be a three-hour show. Okay, let's go ahead and jump into our last story, the smoking gun. And here's this headline, Bond denied for felon who attacked boy, 12. A judge has denied a bond reduction for a convicted felon who last year was recorded brutally sucker-punching a 12-year-old boy dancing on a Missouri street corner, according to court records. In a motion filed this month, Cedric Moore, 28, asked a circuit court judge to modify his $50,000 cash bond to a surety bond, which could be posted by a bail bondsman. In the motion, attorney Theodore E. Lazuski reported that Moore has also been accepted into the Teen Challenge Program, a reference to a nationwide residential care program for male defendants, probationers, and parolees that includes individual and group biblical studies for work project. And I feel bad for Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is getting dragged into this, probably up in heaven going, what the hell? Why is my name being dragged into this? These folks going, I found the Lord. The Lord's like, ah, oh, you didn't find me. Go away. However, Moore's bid to depart the Scott County Jail was denied by Judge Benjamin Lewis, who's no doubt a racist. A bond reduction motion filed last year by Moore was also rejected. As seen in the above video, and folks, I saw this video and that is why I mentioned this. Man, he did sucker punch him, which was broadcast on Facebook Live. Of course, Moore snuck up on Ethan Hagler as the boy, accompanied by his hip-hop dance instructor, performed in downtown Cape Girardeau on a Friday evening. So folks, if you have not seen the video, what you have out there is a little 12-year-old blonde boy, little white kid out there doing some stupid dance, and he has his hip-hop dance instructor, who of course is capital B Black, and he's out there doing some dumb dance. The hip-hop instructor is there as well. This car pulls up, and Cedric Moore gets out, walks over, and just pops that kid, pops him hard, gets back in his car, and drives away. So that is what that is if you have not seen it. You should see it, though. It's kind of, uh, it's like, oh my God, he did just hit that kid. After felling the child with a roundhouse punch to the head, the 205-pound Moore fled in an SUV driven by another individual. Bleeding from the head and nose, Hagler was treated for his injuries at a local hospital. Moore was arrested a week later after the unprovoked July 3rd attack and has been behind bars since. He has been charged with assault and endangering the welfare of a child, both felonies to which Moore has pleaded not guilty. And I feel bad for Cedric Moore because if he had been in Florida, if he had done this in Florida, sucker punched a 12-year-old boy in the state of Florida, that would be a misdemeanor. He would be out and about running around the streets. His community service would have already been, <laughs> would have been completed. Everything would have been done. Just, you know, wipe the hands clean of it. He would have been free man, free as a bird. But no, he did it in the state of Missouri in Cape Girardeau, Rush Limbaugh's hometown. And there it is a felony. In 2019, Moore was convicted of domestic assault and sentenced to five years probation and ordered to obey all laws and complete an anger management program and a batterers program. So folks, this is not Cedric Moore's first time at this particular rodeo punching people. And normally, folks, normally at this part in the program, when I finish up my smoking gun story, I generally end the show with and on that note, since I cannot top, you know, fill in the blank, right? In this case, it would be on that note, since I cannot top a black guy getting out of his car and sucker punching a white kid, right? So that's what I would normally say. But but in this case, since it is our 50th podcast, I thought I would do something a little different. And, and I have to say, in Cedric Moore's defense, right? In his defense, I have to say, look, I don't think it was that inappropriate to get out of that car, stop the car, get out, 
and go over and sucker punch that white kid. And I know some of you are out there going, Miller, Miller, that is absolutely insane to say it's perfectly okay to get out and sucker punch a kid. A 12-year-old boy, he hit that boy in the face. How dare you? Right? (laughs) I know some of you are out there saying that. But look, folks, in his defense, in Cedric Moore's defense, that blonde kid was out there hip-hop dancing. And yes, I know there was a hip-hop dance instructor right there. But... You know, that blonde kid was engaging in cultural appropriation. And as woke as I am, and you folks know how woke I am, I am the most woke person that I know. And as woke as I am, I know that that is grossly, grossly inappropriate for a white kid out there. I don't care if he's 12 years old, a white kid doing hip hop dancing. And I don't even give a crap that he had a capital B black hip hop dance instructor. He was culturally appropriating hip hop dance. (laughs) He got what he deserved. So, Cedric, let me tell you something, my friend. Your lawyer is really crappy. What you need to do, Cedric, you need to take a page from the transgender community playbook. And so what do you need to do? You need to go back in that courtroom. You need to go back to that circuit court judge. And you need to say, judge, that blonde white kid, he was trying to erase me. He was invalidating me as a capital B black person. He was taking my culture and my dance and making a mockery of it. Have you ever seen a white 12-year-old try to do hip-hop dance? It is embarrassing. He was trying to erase me. Just keep saying that over and over and over again. Listen, Cedric, I'll get you completely out of this. Just keep using words like erase and invalidating. And that judge would be like, oh, crap. He sounds like a transgender. I better let this guy out of jail. They're going to come get me. So, yes, Cedric, that's all you need to do. Go get your lawyer. Get back in front of that judge and start using the words erase and invalidate. Boom, you are free. He will give you, he'll let you out on bail and he won't even charge you for it. And on that note, folks, on that note, we will go ahead and plug pull this 50th podcast of the Miller Frost Show. Hey, thank you all so much for stopping by this weekend. We are having so much fun doing this thing every uh, every couple of days here and hope you are enjoying the program as well. Have a great rest of your weekend, a good start to your week, and we will see you back here on Wednesday. In the meantime, take care. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. <laughs> <laughs> you will be right Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like... You know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> this was like wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, <laughs> yeah, you, you were different. Like, you were real different, bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected yeah. things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.